Morning, Church. Thank you for the privilege to be with you today. Um, the last time when I spoke to us, it was during the time of the pandemic. I remember that um, I came to church, but you all didn't come. <laughs> yeah, I came to church to speak, but all of you watched me online. So uh, it's, uh, it's a joy to be with you. My name is Joseph, Joseph Chen, and I serve with uh, Youth of the Mission uh, for about 25 years now. Uh, in my 25 years journey, God has taken me all around in the world. And um, before that, I was a youth worker uh, in Chapel of the Holy Spirit, the church I still attend now, uh, where I served as a youth pastor as well as a chaplain to St. Andrew's Secondary School, where that's where I meet your Mr. Poon. And I was there for eight years uh, doing chaplaincy work. And prior before working in church, I was into auditing. I did audit for a couple of years, and then the Lord called me out of that to enter into full-time ministry. I used to think that I gave up a lot to join full-time ministry uh, because at that point when I was uh, entering into full-time, I was actually offered a scholarship to UK to do my ACCA and it was a gift with no strings attached. I was very young at that point in time um, but because I became a Christian when I was 18 years old and the transformation in my life was so drastic that by the time when I received the call to go into full-time ministry, for me, it was a natural response of what God has done in my life. I don't know how, how, how you are, but for me, after I've experienced the work of God in my life and the change that He has done in my life, I cannot help it but to respond by living my life for Him. Hence, even that scholarship was quite a big gift. Uh, it, was, it was about £250 at a point in time. And uh, even though it was such a big gift, uh, I was, my heart was so captured by my love for God and, um, and to, the, to the horror of my family and my, and my, and my employer, uh, when I laid that down to enter into full-time ministry, uh, I used to really think that, that, that what a price I've paid to follow Christ. 30 years into this road, looking back, I realized I paid nothing. Really, nothing in comparison to all that I've gained in my whole journey in life. And the joy and the privilege and to be able to experience the nations in such a manner. So can I have my PowerPoint, please? So this morning, we're going to talk a little bit about God's unquenchable passion and love for the nations. Now, early this, earlier on this year, I came and I spoke to you about the missional church. And I remember that in that time, I, I worked with us and we talked a little bit about what is a missional church and what does a missional church do. And part of it, we say that the missional church is one that is a representation of the incarnational Christ. It is a community of God's people who is committed to know God and to grow and connected with one another in an increasing measure so that the church can rightly represent God in the society and anywhere in the world. Number two, it is a community of God's people who is committed to compassion and generosity. Compassion and generosity is not an afterthought, but it's a forethought of a disciple of Christ. And number three, it is a church whereby we embrace both local and global missions. So it's not one after another, it's two simultaneously together. Whether you're here in Singapore or you're anywhere in the world, you are committed to world missions to reveal God in that, in that manner. So as we look into God's unquenchable desires to be made known, I have a scripture that I would like us to read together and it's from Isaiah 65 verse 1. Let's do it together. Ready? One, two, three, go. I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. I was found by those who did not seek me. To a nation that did not call on my name, I said, here am I, here am I. Now this passage, this, this verse, is talking about God being a proactive God. God is not a God that waits for us. God is a God that will take the 999 steps and walk all the way up to you and to provide every resource possible for you to respond to Him. God did it for us. And God will do likewise for the nations of the world. God is someone, whether it's nations, or it's communities, or an individual person, God will make every resource possible for that person to take that one step to respond to Him. God is someone whereby when He's committed to us, He will do everything possible for us to know Him. He will do everything possible for us to say yes to Him. The choice is on our side. And this is the proactive part of God, whereby He is 
constantly seeking out and constantly wanting to be made known. And with that, I want to begin with the story of Singapore. So currently, I'm studying and I'm actually writing my paper. I've embarked on a two-year study whereby they're all together five modules. And the five modules, each module, we have to study one Hebrew and our Greek word. And we use that one word and we look through scriptures from Genesis through to Revelation. On what does the Bible say about that one word? Then after that, we look into a biblical narrative to look into a character in the Bible who lift out that one Hebrew or Greek word. Then after that, we look into history from AD 100 to AD 1900 on who lift out that one word. Then after that, we look into the 19th century and the 20th century to discover who lift out that word. Then what I have to do as a student is to compact all of these things, both scriptures, history, and current, bring it all together, integrate them all together, and apply it to my situation. So part of my journey in doing this research is to study the history of Singapore. And when I studied into Christianity in the history of Singapore, I was so blown away by what God has done in our nation. Everything that we have enjoyed today, our forefathers 200 years ago have never seen that. Our forefathers 200 years ago, whoever that came and sowed in our country, had no idea Singapore would become where she is today 200 years later. And this is a thought that you and I must capture. That as we enjoy all that we have today, we must remember where we were before. Singapore was unreached. If you look at this world map, you know, I often make a joke about it. Whenever I travel in the world, when people ask me, where is Singapore? I will try to use my little pointer, but this pointer is even bigger than Singapore. I mean, we are so tiny. We are so tiny. 42 kilometers by 28 kilometers. And, 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 and when people hear about Singapore, they cannot help it but to know this nation or where she is today. But when they find out our history, they are always very blown away by what God has done in our country. Singapore was once unheard of. We were unknown, we were unreached, we were broken, we were marginalized. You were either from a wealthy family or you were from an extremely poor family. And if you are a girl at that point in time, you will be sold into a wealthy family to be a Muay Thai, a servant girl. If you are a young boy who comes from a broken family or poor family, you will be slow, sold to the shipyard as a child labor. And, and all you will be recruited into the mafia gangs and to join the gangs. So at that point in time, you're either very rich or you're extremely poor. And it was at that state when the missionaries came, they brought transformation to our nation. I've got a video that I'd like to show you. And in this video, it tells us a story of what God has done in our nation. And I want you to capture it. I want you to capture that the, the love of God for our island, Singapore, and the love of God towards this island, and the immense passion that the missionaries took to brought change and transformation to Singapore to where we are today. So let's turn down the lights and turn up the sound and let's play the video.
Let's give praise to God for what He has done in our nation. When the missionaries came, they didn't just preach the gospel. The missionaries translated the gospel in a form of actions and truth. The missionaries, when they came, when they saw the issues that was going on in Singapore, the missionaries confronted the issues in our nation. There was a lot of injustice. There was a lot of child labor. There was a lot of trafficking. The missionaries, when they came, they didn't just talk. They were engaging on issues of injustice and they were engaging on families and trying to solve the solution by providing education and healthcare. You see, Singapore is the only one of the few countries in the world whereby our Christian schools are public. Most countries, Christian schools are private. Only the wealthy people get to go. But in Singapore, Christian schools are public whereby people from all status of life, regardless of religion and your race, you are welcome into the school. I was one of those. When I entered into ACS, I did not come from a well-to-do family. I came from an extremely poor family and I was balloted into the school. When I entered the ACS, I was a Mandarin speaker. Throughout my entire life, I failed my English. I don't know about you. I'm always on the last class of every year's cohort. I don't know if anyone can beat me on that. Last class, and, and my English was so horrible. But it was through the school whereby I was given Christian education. I mean, during my time, we had to do, we do a Bible as an O-level subject. I studied Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, including the book of Acts as my O-level subject. And, and as a non-Christian, and so I grew up understanding the scriptures when I came out of school, when Christ met me at the age of 18 years old after I left the school, there was something that was already inbuilt within my life that I could just know God and because I had a heads up from 10 years of Christian education in the school. I was exposed to prayer. I was exposed to hymns. And my favorite hymn was what a friend we have in Jesus, especially during exams time. Oh, I love that song. <laughs> I didn't care that I was not a Christian. I'll take it to any God in prayer. And so, so, so I learned and I was cultivated with this understanding of the love of God. But where did I get this? I got this because when the missionaries came, they presented the truth in a form of tangible action. So there's a scripture I'd like us to look at. John 1.14. This is what the missionaries did. You see, the scripture here says, And the word became flesh and make his dwelling amongst us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, this points and talks about Jesus. But when the missionaries came, they took this and applied this into Singapore. The missionaries came and they revealed the Word of God in flesh. Dwell amongst His people. They revealed the glory of God in the form of grace and truth. And in our case, in the form of education and healthcare. And as a result, Singapore went through the transformation because the missionaries, when they came, they confronted the issues of the society. So therefore, when I go back to Isaiah 65, I go back into God taking the proactive step towards our nation. God taking the proactive step in reaching our nation and making, giving our nation the opportunity to know Him. Every one of us, we are here because the missionaries came. We get to celebrate and enjoy everything that we can do because the missionary came, imagine, imagine if James Tobin or, or Odom, Reverend Odom, or if Sophila Blackmore were to come back to life and look at the Methodist Church today, what would they be saying? What would they be thinking? Or imagine Apostle Paul and the Christians in the early church visit the churches in Singapore. What would they be thinking? I mean, there was no church buildings at the time. They met in the homes. They've never had aircon. They never had sound system. Imagine if they were to come to the church in Singapore today and look at the wealth and what we have today. What would the early church be thinking and saying to us? What would the Apostle Paul be thinking and saying to us? That this chart that has helped and guided me in my Christian walk. This chart is about the character of God. On the left hand, it lists for us a list of God's nature whereby that belongs to God and God alone. I'm convinced that every Christian and every church needs to be teaching our children and our members on who God is. The left-hand column says this, no matter how much you pray, no matter how holy you are, you will never be invisible. You will never be omnipotent. You will never be omniscient. You will never be omnipresent. But the middle column is God's being. The right-hand column is God's doing. The being and the doing is two sides of the same coin. So God is saying, be like me and do like me. 
God is saying, take hold of John 1.14 and apply that into your Monday through to Saturday. What does that mean? It means to know God in an intimate way and then to review God in whatever He has called us to do. So how does that look like? This is how it looks like. The church gathers together every Sunday and we review God whenever we come together like this. We review God as a great high priest. And the character that we seek to proclaim is that our God is the God of mercy and the God of holiness. That's who we are as a church. But the church gathers together in the society from Monday through to Saturday. In the domain of the family, God reveals himself as a parent, a loving parent. And God's desire is for every home to be nurturing and it is a safe place. In the domain of the education, God reveals himself as a great teacher and God's desire is for every child to be raised with knowledge, which is information, and wisdom, which is application. In the sphere of the business, God reveals himself as a great provider and God's character is that every employee and every client can experience the goodness and the kindness of God. In the sphere of the science and technology, God reveals himself as a creator, innovator, and a healer. And God's longing is for all humanity in the world to have better quality of life. In the sphere of the communications, God reveals himself as a God who communicates and God's longing is to give accurate, timely truth. In the sphere of the government, God reveals himself as the king of kings, and God's character is for justice and development in every nation. In the sphere of the arts and entertainment, God reveals himself as a great artist, and God's character is beauty, harmony, aesthetics. And all of these is God's character revealed in a form of a flesh. And every one of us here, we belong to at least one of these categories. Monday through the Saturday, you're in one of these vocations. And my desire for you is that you will not read the scriptures only from the lenses of the church, meaning the Sunday church. That you will learn to read scriptures from the lenses of a parent. Now, if you were to read, put on the parent's glasses and read Genesis to Revelation, you will find God educating his children. If you are a teacher, you will read the Bible from a teacher's lens, you will see how God educates, how God teaches. If you are a lawyer, you read the Word of God, you will find how God introduced issues about law and justice. If you are a social worker writing policies, you will find that this book is full of policies. If you are a painter, if you are a script writer, you will find that this book is full of painting and scripts. My point to you is this, how are you reading the scriptures? What lenses are you using to read the scriptures? Can I encourage you to take off your Sunday lens and put on your Monday through the Saturday lens? If you were to do that, I can guarantee you that you will find this book to be the manual for transforming nations. The manual for changing societies. The manual for changing families. All throughout the ages when you look into history, missionaries at that point in time, 200 years ago, never disassociate the Bible from the society. Missionaries at a point in time, the reason why universities were created, universities were created by the church, by the Christians. Why? Because the church understood that God desires all humanity to receive education. And this is what God says. And God says that He wants us to learn how to model who He is and to reveal His character. Singapore is where she is today because of the missionaries and the leaders of the nation. They have taken hold and God in His mercy have worked through them. Therefore, therefore, it is in my conviction that we have an obligation. Having received so much, Jesus, God said to Abraham, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. There is a responsibility of having received the blessings of God is to release the blessings of God into the nations. Hence, this particular arrow, and I call this arrow Abako, Abaklo. The word Abaklo means to send, means to go forward. Now, today's text, we're taking from Luke chapter 9 and Luke chapter 10. If you were to look at Luke chapter 9 and Luke chapter 10, it basically tells us a whole series of our stories. Luke chapter 9, has got to do with Jesus sending out the 12 disciples. Luke chapter 10 is about Jesus sending out the 72 disciples. You see them back to back, 
So Luke, in writing the in writing this gospel in connection with the book of Acts, Luke was trying to introduce to the readers that Christianity is a sending faith. Christianity is a faith whereby the people of God is constantly on a mobile. The people of God hardly stand still. The people of God is constantly moving wherever they are, and in that process, they review God and they preach the gospel. And so Luke was trying to tell us that in the midst of it, with all the stories in between, if you were to read through the stories in between, you will find that Luke chapter 9 and all the way through to Luke chapter 10, it climax with the parable of the Good Samaritan. The parable of the Good Samaritan is not about, are you my neighbor? The parable of the Good Samaritan is not the one standing next to me or the one living next to me or the one sitting next to me. The parable of the Good Samaritan is, who can I be a neighbor to? It's not a noun, it's a verb. The parable of the Good Samaritan is, who can you be a neighbor to today? It is Christians actively going out and find neighbors, find people that they can be a neighbor to, to serve them and to bless them. So the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Jesus says, send out the laborers. And this is what it means to be sent out in Greek. It says that to cast out, to drive out, to send out with a notion of violence, to command or to cause one to depart in haste, to draw out with force, tear out with implications of force, overcoming oppositing opposite force to cause a thing to move straight on its intended goal. So when Jesus, when Luke uses the word to send out, pray to the Lord of the harvest field to send out workers, he means to thrust out, to throw out, to push out. And here it's about all of us to be cast out, to be sent out into the society and to be sent out into the nations of the world as God's representative. Now, I am convinced that one of the things that God wants to do here in Singapore, having blessed Singapore and seen Singapore coming to a place of maturity, is to see this thing called many streams, one direction. What does that mean? That means every fabric of the society of God's people move towards one dimension. To have focus towards one direction and it's to be missional to review God. In other words, our vocation is not for our jobs and our future and for our benefit. Our vocation has a purpose and its purpose is to review God. Its purpose is to do the Isaiah 65 verse 1, to be the proactive God, to review God in a proactive way. Hence this particular thing about the missional church which I want to bring to our memory. I want to show us a video. And this video is about a medical team. So YWAM has got three pillars. Uh, we have a training pillar that runs a university. We have a university of six faculties whereby we train students from all over the world to go into the society and to bring transformation. This university has trained almost 3 million people to date. And out of it, we have placed missionaries in the governments, we have placed missionaries in every fabric of the society to think missional and to review God in a very practical and tangible ways. The other column is the frontier missions, whereby we do go out into unreached people groups where there are no Christians and no church. We send people and train people to go there. And the final pillar is the pillar of mercy ministries. Under the mercy ministries, YWAM is involved in trafficking issues, dealing with trafficking issues, in social injustice issues, in poor and marginalized. But one of our biggest work is our medical ships. We have 28 vessels sailing from the Amazon jungle into the seas of Papua New Guinea, into Africa continent, and most recently into Philippines. YWAM Singapore used to have a little ship. I call this a pontoon. It is about the size of this hall here, that sails in Indonesia. We went into an unreached people tribe to present the gospel in a medical way. But I want you to watch this video because this video has got to do with our NUS medical faculty as well as our NUH medical that works and collaborate with YWAM on this ship. Let's show this video. few days we have been on board the YWAM ship and it has uh, given me the opportunity to visit the villages along the coastal side. 
that has really been a big eye-opener for me to see how the ship operates the team uh, going onshore to deliver a daycare to the villagers there. It's very amazing, the good work that a lot of people here are doing, yes. The main reason why we are coming here is to understand what are the needs that the local communities have here and see how we can work together with uh, YWAM Chips to provide some other kind of services that patients here in this community would need. We are visiting the village of uh, Imo here. We were first brought on a tour of the village. We saw how they live. The clinic uh, is, is manned by volunteers, both uh, nurses and doctors from all around the world. Now on the path to Pantateta General Hospital. So looking forward to meeting doctors and looking at the environment over there. You don't have those speciality services, so you just have to do almost everything. That's why I may not be good at all the things, but at least I can do something. So you have to find a way of meeting their needs. Over time you learn and you adapt to those situations and you are able to treat people. We see there's a lot of need, but we see also very dedicated and professional medical staff as well as hospital staff doing the level best to help the people here. I think we have an opportunity to come and share surgical skills and maybe do an exchange to improve their uh, skills and perhaps provide a higher level of surgical service here in Oro province. So where they lack, they can come learn from us. And then where we lack, we can learn from them. That's what it is. And it will be a great benefit that can come out of the partnership. Not only that, but the partnership we create between countries and like that. I think it's so important. For medical students, they go on electives overseas as well. And one of the purpose of the electives is for them to be exposed to uh, healthcare in the different part of the world. Papua New Guinea offers a very good experience for them. And I think that they will really learn much from the experience here. We want to help YWAM as, as well as the local communities on a longer term to improve the general health of the community. I'm going to let my students come here. I think this is great for them. It's not just for their experience now, but hopefully they take something with them. They Something in, in them moves and perhaps they'll serve in future as well. This will definitely be a great opportunity for students from my school to learn because in Singapore we self-learn and practice in tertiary hospitals where everything is provided but in YWAM we are forced to adapt to the environment here. I see is a very dedicated and very professional people who go all out to meet the needs of the people given the constraint. I'm really grateful and thankful for the great hospitality and the amazing professionalism that has been shown to us on YWAM ships. Thank you so much for YWAM for giving us this uh, four days over here to experience what YWAM does. Despite it being a short period of time, I've learned so much and grew through these days and I certainly hope to bring this back home and hope that my friends will be able to come over here and get the same experience for themselves. Amen. Let's praise God for what He is doing. In the earlier service, a retired nurse and a few doctors came out and asked me how can we get onto the ships. I think that would be fantastic, even if we just go for a couple of days and just to explore what it means to serve God using your profession in that particular area. This next slide is a picture of a tribe. When I first gotten to know this particular tribe, uh, they were an unreached, unengaged people group, meaning there's no Christians nor church amongst them. There was a mission team that was stationing amongst them, and uh, I was very new to YWAM at the point in time, and my job was to bring enhancement. So I brought teams of people to help them to enhance whatever they are, they are working on amongst this particular tribe in terms of community development. And uh, I was there usually for a month to sometimes all the way up to, to six weeks and just facilitating teams and just helping the people out there. So in between the teams, I usually have an off day. 
For a typical Singaporean, what do you do on an off day? Uh, shopping, yeah, correct. And so, 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 so I was on a mission trip, you know, I have an off day, so I said to God, I said, God, today is my off day, I'm going shopping, I want to glorify you with my shopping in Jesus' name, Amen. <laughs> I know I'm talking, no, no, just nice thing to do. So I did, and then I went out to the streets, and I was doing my Singapore thing, and I walked into this particular shop that sells a wooden carving of the Tongba Xiangxing Wen. So the Nashi people had a language called the Tongba Wen, Tongba language. And I walked into the shop, and it was so beautiful. So I asked the Shifu, I said, Shifu, I would like to buy your carvings. And then the Shifu asked me, what do you want me to carve? Oh, you mean I can tell you and then you will translate it into the Tongba language? He says, yeah, I'll do that. So I thought, better pray. So I turned around and I asked the Lord, Lord, what should I ask him to carve? And I felt the Lord said to me, ask him to carve my name, uh, God's name, not my name, God's name. And I wrote down, Shen the Muja, the Lord is my shepherd. And I gave it to him. He looked at it, he says, oh, I was a nomad before. I know what shepherding is. He asked a missionary who is his God. And so I was like, this is a great time to preach to him. So I was sitting down and getting ready to preach to him. The customers came in. At that point in time, it is such a sensitive, secure area that I'm not at the liberty to talk in front of their other clients. And so I did the most un- unimaginable thing. I took out my Bible and I tore out Psalms 23 in Chinese. I tore out Psalms 23 and I circled Psalms 23 and I gave it to him. I said this, read this passage. My God's name is called Yehahua, Jehovah. Read about this and you will know who he is. I want 10 copies of this. I'll come back next week before I go to the airport. A week later, I came back. He says, finish. Take a seat. I'd like to to have a cup of pot of tea. So we sat down and this is what he said to me. He says, I've been a shepherd all my life. This shepherd, very good. I said, what do you mean by that? He says, look, he makes me lie down in green pastures. You see, you know how hard is that? He leads me beside quiet waters. You know what time is that? Before sunrise. It's so tiring. And then when you have a sheep that's totally restless, he restores my soul. He says, you know how hard to calm down a sheep? That's why I don't want to be a shepherd. So this shepherd, Yehawah, he's a very good shepherd. And I was like, this guy, non-Christian, doing Bible study with me, you know. And he is so good. And so I want, I was so I want to tell you that he is my God. His name is God Jehovah. But I need to go to the airport. No, I'll be late. So I said, can I just pay you the money and then you give me the thing and I'll come back and I'll tell you who he is. And this is what he gave to me. This thing says, God is the spirit and God looks after sheep. And as a shepherd, God cares for me as he would care for a sheep. I thought to myself, this guy got it. Six months later, I came back to the shop. He was selling this. I thought to myself, this guy take my, my idea, make money, you know. <laughs> Must charge royalty, right? Typical Singaporean, take my idea, make money. And so I was like, well, well okay, that's quite interesting. He take my idea and make, the, make money out of it. And there was this other Christian that came from the East. He's one of those back to Jerusalem movement uh, guys. And he walked into his shop. And he saw this thing, the Tongba Wen, that says, the Lord is my shepherd. And he asked him, who told you about this? And the Shifu said, Is that the guy that's very small? He, is, he says that Jehovah is his God and he's going to come back and tell me who he is. So the guy from the East says, I know this Jehovah as well. So he was shocked. And also he did with that. He shared the gospel with him. And he led him to Christ. And that's just so amazing. Out of this thing, he led him to Christ. After he became a Christian, this is what he said. I do not know of anyone in my tribe that is a Christian. I don't know how to be a Christian. Are you going anywhere? If you are not going anywhere, do you need food and you need lodging? Why don't you stay and work with me? You work with me. You teach me how to be a Christian and I'll feed you and house you. The guy agreed three months. Three months. He stayed with him, worked with him, discipled him the ways of Christ. This Nashi man then shared the gospel with his wife and led his wife to Christ and then he baptized his wife. Then this guy then discipled now the man and the wife for three months and I came at the tail end of the three months. 
this couple went back to the village and preached the gospel to the village and the whole clan came to Christ as a result of that. God has done it. And he did it through shopping. That means all of us can do. We are all very good at it, shopping, eating any of this form, we can do it. And God has done it in his ways. Ten years later, here's what I want you to see. This is during the COVID, whereby I was hosting a lunch in my house and uh, the staff of YOM came to my house and there was this particular new staff. She came to my house and she introduced herself as a Nashi. I was like, this is Nashi, man. How did you become a Christian? And what are you doing here? So she told her story. She became a Christian sometime between 2008 to 2010. That's about 10 years later of my story. And she says this. She says, I became a Christian in a Nashi church. I said, you mean there's a Nashi church right now? She says, yes. Not only there's a Nashi church, we are right now translating the Bible into our Tongpa Xiang Xingwen. Wow! And she was the first missionary that was sent out by the Nashi church to Uganda as a missionary. She met this other guy in the other, in the photo, standing next to him. He's from Indonesia. And both of them are now married in Singapore and they have now been deployed into another area where there's no Christians and no church. Guys, I want you to know that it is possible to bring a gospel to a people that have never heard of Jesus. And God in His ways will do it. And He will do it in such a manner that will surprise all of us. Right now, I'm involved in a movement called Antioch 21. From next year onwards, you will hear more of this word, Antioch 21. We will run Antioch Submits. And the primary goal is to mobilize and call churches in Singapore to embark on the work of missions. Now, did you download the video for this one? Okay, I would like you to watch this video and I'll draw a close towards the end of it. Let's watch this video. I see the body of Christ like many streams of different callings and giftings coming together and flowing in one direction. To see the earth to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters covers the seas. Imagine the churches in Singapore working out together to touch the unreached and the unengaged, planting churches, impacting society through different expressions in education, in healthcare, in business, the media, and community development. Now imagine Singapore missional practitioners walking in courage and creativity, revealing God's character and carrying His message of love and hope to the last, to the least, and to the lost. Imagine the impact Singapore would have. Antioch 21 wants to catalyze obedience to the Great Commission as entrusted to us by the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to see a church for every people and the gospel for every person. Now, Singapore has a unique anointing from God to be an Antioch church, a sending base, a resource base, a training base, and a house of prayer for the nations. As the World Missions Arm of Love Singapore, we will serve the local church to see each church fulfill her destiny as an Antioch church. We want to build bridges and bring believers from the marketplace and different walks of life together to share best practices, resources and ideas. Imagine using all our professional skills to spark holistic transformation in the nations, providing jobs, building communities, and changing lives. Every generation must hear God's call and walk in obedience to the Great Commission. We want to see the sons and daughters of Singapore arise as the missionary force, sent out into the Father's business in the nations, living amongst the nations in the same way that Jesus became flesh and walked among us. Yes, we must pray, and yes, we must give to missions, but we cannot stop there. You and I are stewards of the future. We must educate the next generation about missions, equip the best and brightest, and send them out as long-term cross-cultural missionaries. God has never stopped calling. We cannot ever stop going. The fields are ripe for harvest and the laborers are in our churches. So let us dedicate ourselves and our congregations to pursue the Father's business 
until we see a church for every people and present the gospel to every person. So as part of NJOT 21, in terms of me working with churches and helping churches to steer towards sending their members out there into the nations, I've also started this thing called the Joshua 21. Joshua 21 is for 12 years old to 30 years old. I believe that the future of Singapore missions must be our young. Our young have the vibrancy, our young have all the energy within there, and we want to mobilize them. So what I did was in June, I invited young people to come. 650 youth came. And when they came to this thing, and they came from 60 over churches, there was, there was quite a good representation. And of course, I was a speaker, but I felt that I shouldn't preach a message. So I wanted to interview the first missionary that came out of Singapore. Do you know who is the first missionary? First missionary that came out of Singapore into the nations after our independence. So I went to search. 1978, Billy Graham prophesied Singapore as Antioch of Asia. 1977, Dr. Andrew and Belinda Ng, Went to, they are surgeons, they went to Niger, Africa to be surgeon missionaries. 1975, Rodney Hui went to, on the OM trip, went on a camper van and drove the camper van from Belgium all the way through Singapore preaching the gospel six months. And then earlier than that, you have Melville and Salome Sito from Bethesda Frankel Estate Church that went to Hokkaido to plant churches in Hokkaido. Up to that point, 1974 was the earliest. Until a couple of weeks before the launch, I found one Singaporean that went out in 1965. Now, if I mention her name, you won't know her. But if I mention the brand that the family represents, you will know who she is. Pola Karipaf. This is the daughter of the founder of Pola Karipaf. Her name is called Kate. Kate Chan. She was 26 years old. She was a school teacher in SCGS. The Lord called her out. She went to Melbourne to study the Bible. And when she was there, the Lord called her to go to Hong Kong. She went to serve in the Ward City in Hong Kong where the refugees of China. This is before Jackie Pullinger days. And she served in the Ward City for two years. I brought her to the conference. She's 83 years old now. I interviewed her and I asked her, Kate, Tell us, what is your dying passion? She says, I want to die serving God. I want to die doing what God has called me to do. 83 years old, she's still going out into the nations. At the end of it, I ask her to remove her shoes, put it on stage. And then I invite all the adults and I say this, any one of you who have been out into the nations for more than one year, would you please come forward? 30 adults came forward. I said, Tell me your name, the country that you went to, and how long did you stay? Name, China, 15 years. Name, Turkey, 14 years. Name, Japan, 21 years. And everyone, the youth clapped. After the 10th person, no one clapped anymore. You know why? Because they're so shocked to see so many Singaporeans that have gone out for more than 10 years, and they're all retiring. I got all of them to remove their shoes and put it on the stage, and I asked the young people, who will fill their shoes? 300 youths came forward. The praying time for the young people outlasted the entire event because they just came forward by streams and streams of young people coming forward and giving their lives to Christ and say, God, use me. Use my generation. Don't miss us. Use my generation for your purpose. At the end of the event, a 60-over-year-old auntie came up to me and slapped me on my back. She said, you call young people, what about us? You think we all, cannot do it? And she really gave me a rundown, scolded me big time. No, you must never forget the young people. You must never forget the old people. We got money. We got experience. We got everything. Why, why should we retire and not? So I repented. So next year, we're going to start a movement of missionaries above 60 years old. To call, yeah, you can, the first, the first service clapped so loud. <laughs> yeah, the first service was so excited. Yay! No cry, no, yeah. So, 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 my point is God wants to send all generations into the nations. And my question to you, Amokyo, is are you going to be a part of it? 
Are you going to be part of it? So God's heart is for us, but He died for the world. He longs for the world to enter into a relationship with Him, just as Singapore did. Missions is not a sacrifice, but it is a privilege. And my questions to you is this. Are you willing to tithe your life? Tithe. We talk about tithing as in the 10% giving of the money. Money is the easiest. How about tithing 10% of your life? So some of you, you are counting, like, wow, 80 years old. Eh? So that's 8 years, you know. Then some of you are like, hey, I'm only 20-some years old. So, yeah. But this is not the point. The point is, are you willing? Are you willing and are you available? So what I've done is I break it down into smaller bite size, into 1361. That you will consider as Amokyo venture next year into missions with the master. This missions with the master cannot be local alone. It has to be local and global simultaneously. And that's where some of you here might feel the draw and the call to go out into the nations. Maybe five years is a bit too long for you. How about one month, three months, six months, or one year? That you will consider that you will be willing when God calls you and God opens up the door for you that you will be willing to go. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for how you have blessed Amokyo Methodist Church. I remember what you were like before pre-aircon days. Your neighborhood could hear you, your neighborhood could see you, but your neighborhood could walk in if they want to. Church was something that was every day because people, they were so vibrant before the air-conditioned days. And God has blessed this church with so much resources. And my prayer for you is that this light will not be hidden. This light will not be covered. And as God longs to lead you into a journey of missions with the Master, my question to you, Amokyo, but this church is, are you willing? Are you willing? Earlier in the first service, I challenged the older generation. Are you willing to give your 1361 to the Lord? Many, many old people stood up. And they say, yes, God, I'm willing. If you call me, I'm willing. I'm going to ask you the same question. Are you willing? Are you willing to set aside one, three, six, one, either one month, three months, six months, or one year. That if God would do open up the doors for you, your answer will be a yes. I'll be willing. If that's your prayer, if that's your response, could you please stand? I would like to pray with you. If you're willing to allow God to deploy you, could you please stand? And I would like to pray with you. Thank you. You're responding not to a task. You're responding to a relationship. Talk to God. This life belongs to you. I don't know what the future holds, but I'm willing to say yes. So I pray for you, my brothers and sisters. As I said to you, God is a proactive God. You don't need to do anything right now. God will do the 999 for you. So my point to you is this. When you know that God has done the 999, please do not shrink back. Please say yes. And obey. So I pray for you that God will clear the hindrances and open up a doorway for you. You may not see the totality of that step. Your job is to obey by taking the next step. And as you take the next step, God will show you the next step. Learn to walk with God one step out of the time and be okay with the unknown because you are following a God who sees the end from the beginning. 
I bless you, my brothers and sisters. I've been on this road for 25 years now. And I want to look back to you and cheer you on and say it is worth it. It is worth it. You may not run like me for 25 years, but even if it's just a month, three months, six months or a year, it is worth it. And I pray for you that you will build this legacy into your lives, that you will see God showing up in your lives. Whatever you need to give up to do this thing, you will find that it's incomparable to what you will gain at the end of this road. I bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Lord bless you.